0: Good morning. So this morning I'd like to pick up from where Winnie left off yesterday when she guided us in that exploration of Vedana, or feeling tone. How the mind automatically registers any experience that we have as being either pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. And when mindfulness is steady and refined, we start to see how this apparently basic and simple function of the mind actually drives so much of our behavior, pulling us towards what's pleasant, what we like, pushing us away from what's unpleasant, what we don't like. And if it's neither, in other words, if it's neutral, the default reaction is to either ignore, not notice, disconnect, or go off in search of something more stimulating. So I don't know about for you, but for me it was just slightly humbling to realize how much influence Vedana has on us. When I first started to understand this, it was how to grudgingly acknowledge that Maybe I wasn't that rational, sophisticated, intelligent human being that I wanted to believe I was, and that much of the time I was just in the push and pull of feeling tone. So fortunately, there's another aspect of the mind that we can pay attention to, one that can help to uncouple that often unconscious, almost automatic response that movement from stimulus to response, from pleasant feeling tone to liking, wanting, craving, clinging, and so on. And this is a mental factor known as chetana in Pali, usually translated into English as intention or volition. And chetana is a technical term. It refers to that mental intention or urge that happens before every movement we make, every act of speaking, even before we think. Everything we do, say, think happens as a result of this mental factor. Without intention, nothing would happen. So if we can sensitize ourselves to recognize this pulse of intention, that happens right before everything we do, we're in a much better position to be able to make a choice about whether to follow through on that intention or not. Now, just to be clear, in English, the word intention often has quite a broad meaning, range of meanings. So it can include our underlying motivation or our overarching aspiration. For the purposes of our exploration this morning, though, we're going to bring awareness to how Chaitanya is experienced in our meditation practice. So I'm going to keep it very simple, direct, and investigate Chaitanya as that, that kind of spark or impulse or urge in the mind that propels us to do something, to act, to speak, to think. And that urge, it can be experienced in different ways at different times. Sometimes it might appear as Words in the mind, a kind of direction to do something. Sometimes an image of what we want to do. Imagining doing something, visualizing it. But often it's just a kind of a wordless, gathering pulse of energy before we take that action. So it's sometimes referred to as the about to moment. The about to lift my hand. The about to speak And so forth. It's that kind of momentary coalescing in the mind that then propels us to do something. So, for most of us, an easier place to start in seeing this is in relation to moving the body, because the movements of the body are a little more tangible. So, just to see if we can get a quick sense of that, uh, let's take a very simple action the action of opening or closing your eyes. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you, if your eyes are closed, to open them, and if they're open, to close them. But instead of just hearing my instruction and then doing it, see if you can notice that signal in the mind, that intention right before the eyelids open or close. Before we go there, just to say, this is a pretty subtle aspect of experience to pay attention to. And if the mind is tense, it's harder to recognize it. So just see if you can relax. Let your awareness come into your eye area. Keep the awareness soft. And then when you're ready, just open or close the eyes. Did you notice? (laughs) If not, you can try again. So just open or close the eyes. And some of you might start blinking like an owl <laughs> trying to catch it. That's okay. Just have fun with this. If you, you might end up doing it a few times, and if you're not quite sure whether you're getting it or not, don't drive yourself crazy trying to catch it. As I said, this is quite subtle. It takes a quite refined level of mindfulness to tune into. For most people, it does take practice and patience. Now, maybe some of you are wondering, well, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of seeing chaitanya? So far, I've been talking about in relatively, in relation to, you know, pretty benign activities. But if we can start to recognize that about to moment before we open our mouths to say something unskillful, or before we're about to do something not so ho- not so helpful we can save ourselves a lot of dukkha. So recognizing that pulse of the about to do or say something, it gives us a moment, maybe just a nanosecond, where we can make a choice and if necessary, maybe redirect what we're about to do or say in a more beneficial direction. So in terms of on retreat, one powerful arena of exploration we can experiment with is in the lunch line noticing the chaitanya that propels the hand to reach for the second or the third or the fourth serving of our favorite food if we can feel that pulse just before the arm reaches then wisdom has a chance of coming in and inviting us to practice contentment for some of us it might be the opposite Pulse of chaitanya propels us to not take food when actually it would be more skillful to take it if the body needs it. So from that simple example, you might get a sense of the connection between chaitanya and freedom. And also the opposite. When there's no awareness of those moments of intention, we tend to just react on autopilot. Pushed or pulled by pleasant, by unpleasant, neutral feeling tones driven by whatever underlying greed, aversion, delusion is present in the mind. And right there is another challenge to noticing chaitanya. It's a subtle mental quality, unlike those more coarse energies of the afflictive states, and they can easily obscure the chaitanya pulses. So Just a slightly embarrassing example of this from my own practice when I was on staff at IMS, the perils of not noticing chetana. I came down to lunch one day and some generous, kind person had donated a whole array of cheesecakes. And I'm not normally a huge cheesecake fan, but I thought, oh, well, dessert, that's nice. I'll have one. Took a big slab of cheesecake, ate it pretty quickly, and I noticed a pulse in my mind there's plenty more. You might as well get a second one while they're there. And this other voice said, Hmm, maybe not such a good idea. But unfortunately, that second voice was quieter than the first voice. And all of a sudden, I was sitting in the staff dining room again with another piece of cheesecake. Even worse, lunch ended. I went back to my office went past the back counter, got to my office, and noticed a third plate of cheesecake in my hand. <laughs> it's like, how did that happen? What I'd missed was a whole stream of chaitanya At any moment in there, if I had noticed the intention to get up, to go back into the dining room, to walk to the back counter to reach for the plate, to pick up the plate, to go back to the dining room to get the fork. There was, I don't know, thousands of different moments in there if the mindfulness had been refined where I might have stopped that whole chain reaction and saved myself a whole pile of unpleasant feeling tones afterwards. (laughs) Now again, that's relatively benign, Example, there are plenty more, many of them not suitable for this context. But if you can notice those tiny moments of intention and the power that comes when we're able to notice before we act, the freedom to choose instead of just being driven by conditioning. So, in a moment, we're going to settle into a period of meditation and I'll offer just a few suggestions for tuning into this factor. But even before we start, just to notice if there's any attitude in the mind, maybe some form of performance anxiety, I'm not going to get this, or yep, I'm going to ace this. Just see if instead you can invite that relaxed, open curiosity, and maybe even have fun with this exploration. Okay, so let's give it a try. So just settling into the body, settling in more fully into your meditation posture, coming home to the body and just knowing there is the body. and the body is sitting. Tuning into the body and just getting a sense of how is the body now? And quite often, as we attune to the body, sensitise to the experience of how the body is now, we become aware of some areas of tension or tightness or holding. And just bringing some awareness to those areas of your body where you might tend. To habitually hold tension of some kind. And seeing if you can buy it a little more ease, softening, relaxing. You might notice what's happening in the forehead, the brow. Sometimes if we're making a little too much effort to be mindful, we might find just a slight frown there. So inviting the brow, the forehead to soften and relax. Become smooth. And likewise, the eyes are often a location of subtle tension, even when the eyes are closed, and sometimes a sense of searching or looking. So just inviting all those little micro-muscles in the eye area to soften and relax. And noticing in the same way the lips, the mouth, the jaw. Noticing if the teeth are clamped together. And inviting the jaw to become soft. and checking in with the shoulders letting the shoulders soften and relax moving the awareness down through the arms to the hands just checking to see that the hands are resting comfortably On your legs or together in your lap. And then bringing awareness to the torso, the chest, the abdomen, the belly. bringing awareness to the breathing for a few moments and just noticing how with each out-breath there's a very natural sense of softening releasing relaxing as the body lets go of what's no longer needed so just tuning into the out-breath for a few moments invite that natural sense of softening and ease Continuing tuning in to the area of the buttocks, the large muscles of the thighs and the calves, inviting them to soften just a little more, all the way down to the feet. Sometimes even in the feet we can notice a slight curling or gripping in the toes. Just inviting the toes to relax. And then noticing the whole body if there might be just a little more ease. No doubt somewhere, some residue of tension will remain. That's okay. Just accepting that this is how it is right now. Continuing to sensitize your awareness to the sensations in the body <coughs> similar to how we did the other day, just knowing or noting whatever sensations naturally call the attention, perhaps tingling or throbbing or pulsing, lightness warmth or coolness and this time you might also note if there's any feeling tone coming with those sensations and if it's helpful you might also know or note the feeling tone tingling pleasant Maybe heaviness, pressure, unpleasant. No sensations, (laughs) neutral. Letting this noting be very light, not going up too much into cognitive mind. Just letting it be a tool to help you stay present with the experience itself and any feeling tones that might come with that sensation. Just gently exploring that for a few minutes in silence now. As we continue sitting, it's likely that at some point these feeling tones may get stronger. And at some point, perhaps compel an urge to change the posture or adjust the body in some way. And just seeing if you can notice that energy forming into the mental intention of Chaitana that about-to moment just before the body moves. So recognizing perhaps the urge to scratch an itch just before the hand moves to do it. Or that pulse of energy gathering in the mind that signals the legs to stretch before they move. Or perhaps the intention to take a deeper breath, or to straighten the spine, to open or close the eyes, or even to swallow. So, not becoming hypervigilant, but just staying relaxed, alert and receiving any pulses of in, intention that naturally come into awareness and if nothing much is happening or you're not able to notice chaitana just come home to your usual anchor and stay with that anchor because that's always time well spent Staying with your anchor if Chaitana arises knowing or noting that and then coming back to the anchor continuing like this in silence now In just a few more moments I'm going to ring the bell for the end of the sitting. And instead of automatically moving the body or perhaps automatically bowing you might slow down those movements and seeing if you can notice the stream of intentions of chetana before the arms raise before the hands touch before the head lowers the body bows and then the opposite, the head raising the body straightening the hands separating the arms lowering so take your time slow it down And seeing if you can register one or more of those pulses of intention. practice today be for the welfare of all beings may we be free so if you would like to continue exploring this mental factor today there are a couple of activities that you might tune into one is the transition between postures so similar to what we just did You might notice when you're preparing to leave the hall that very first pulse of intention to change from sitting to standing. And then all those other small chaitana that come as you make whatever movements you need to do to get from sitting to standing and really being curious about how the body does that. Then in walking meditation this is a powerful place you can explore Chaitana. So when you come to the start of your walking track or path, you might just stand for a few moments until you can notice that very first pulse of intention to lift the foot and begin walking. And when the mindfulness is very refined, you might experiment with what's known as six-part walking. So you notice the intention to lift and the lifting, the intention to move, the moving, the intention to place, the placing of the foot, and so on. And again, it's important that this is not done as something to drive yourself crazy with. But if there's a natural curiosity, just play with it. See what you can notice in the walking and anywhere else throughout the day when the mindfulness is more refined. Okay, so there were just uh, a couple of questions from the bowl. One was about uh, regarding mudita. Is mudita, appreciative joy related only to the good fortune and happiness of others? Or can it also relate to our own good fortune, to the appreciation of nature and beauty, etc.? So this... uh, As many of you know, the Dharma has developed over time since the lifetime of the Buddha... And in the way that the mudita has been practiced in this insight tradition so far, the traditional invitation is to connect with the happiness and good fortune of other people. And traditionally, not to include ourselves in that. And this particular way of practicing mudita comes from the Vasudhimaga, which was compiled, I think, about a thousand years after the lifetime of the Buddha. And as far as I understand it, at the time of the Buddha, the word mudita meant just simply gladness. There wasn't a sense of it had to be for other people. And in terms of practice, the instructions were simply to abide with a heart filled with gladness and then let that gladness radiate or pervade or encompass the entire world. So in my own practice, I've taken a maybe a little more flexible approach based on that earlier way of practicing. And I do allow myself to take in to appreciate my own happiness, my own good fortune, beauty, uh, nature, and so forth as a way to support that quality of gladness. The second question was, are we going to offer the instructions known as RAIN, R-A-I-N? So I'll just offer some very simple instructions now, and if this is something that feels relevant for your practice, then feel free to check in with your practice teachers in the practice meetings. So RAIN is a method uh, that's used for working with particularly difficult emotions. And it's an acronym for a set of approaches that uh, the Dharma teacher Michelle MacDonald developed and then was later adapted, popularized by teachers like Tara Brach. So just to give you a quick overview, this practice can be really useful for those uh, times when we find ourselves getting lost or stuck in some kind of painful mental state over and over. And the mindfulness just doesn't feel like it's strong enough to keep us from getting overwhelmed. So RAIN is a kind of an investigation practice that helps us to get more clarity and more space in relation to that state. So the first step is to recognize what's happening R is for recognize. And here, the tool of mental noting can be very helpful. So just to see, to tune in, to sense, is can we find a label or a note for what the emotion is? Or more likely, emotions, plural. Because often there's a composite of different painful emotions coming together. And as I said the other day, the part of the mind that makes the note is different from the part that's experiencing it. So each time we make a mental note of recognition, it acts to kind of perforate that cloud of the difficult state, which helps it to lighten and eventually to disperse. So again, as I said the other day, even using the word something, something can be helpful. And then you might just try out other words. Sometimes I say you can audition other words and just see if you can get a sense. Is it, is it sadness? Mm, not quite. Is it heaviness? Yeah. Loneliness? Doing. Ah, oh, it's loneliness. Oh. So it can be a little bit like throwing darts at a dartboard. At first they're sort of wide of the mark. But then we just keep trying and then doing, something hits the center of the bullseye. And then we have a much better sense of how to respond skillfully to it. So A in RAIN, the letter A stands for accept, or in some versions allow or acknowledge. And the idea is the same, to not reject or ignore or fight the experience. So just taking that example of loneliness, very often the mind goes into self-judgment, resistance, avoidance, all of which just takes more energy and tends to prolong the pain. So we try to just accept, allow, you could say open to. And then the third letter, I, is the invitation to investigate or in some versions, to have interest or to become intimate with the experience. So I think of this as a almost a form of meta of kindness, of trying to be interested, open, curious about what's happening. And when we can do this, it connects us directly to our insight practice. Because when we investigate that experience more closely, what we find is that instead of it being solid, permanent, eternal suffering state that we often assume it to be, it's actually changing, morphing, intensifying, and at times releasing. So in other words, it's impermanent. It's a Nietzsche. And as we continue to investigate, we also recognize that it's anatta, impersonal. And this brings us to the N of RAIN, which stands for non-identification. In other words, not taking it personally. And as a few of us have already mentioned, when it comes to thoughts and emotions, we're not in nearly as much control as we like to believe we are. They come up due to causes and conditions, most of the time not through our own choice. So, I think Rebecca, you might remember Rebecca's example of seeing a note on the notice board in what she thought was her ex- her ex partner's handwriting, and that condition of seeing and interpreting gave rise to quite a long period of suffering now she didn't i don't think choose to let that inadequacy and etc come up, but that's what happened because of the conditions, so the n of rain reminds us to. That thoughts and emotions, they're not personal. We don't have to take ownership of them. So in my own practice, at times when uh, painful emotions might have taken hold, I just try to consciously remind myself, this is not me. This is not mine. It's not who I am. And it's not my fault arising due to conditions. That's the wisdom wing of the practice. Seeing the impermanent, the impersonal nature of the states. Most of the time I also need the compassion side of the practice which acknowledges that even so, even though it's impersonal and impermanent, it hurts. And so the compassion wing allows me to connect with the impact on the emotional body and just to bring in a few moments of self-compassion. So it might be simple as just, I think Rebecca again said, ouch, just ouch. Or maybe the gesture of putting a hand on your heart for a few moments. Or possibly a few phrases to help soothe the distress. I'm aware of this pain. I care about it. May it release. May I know peace or whatever phrases resonate for you. So that's just a very brief summary. And as I said, if this is something that's up in your practice, you might check in with your practice meeting teachers. Okay, so just one announcement. Uh, In relation to the laundry, please do sign up before you use the washers and the dryers and read the sign-up sheet so you're clear which washer or dryer you are signing up for. It's important to do this because uh, if you can't put laundry just in any empty washer or dryer because there are times when the staff need to do that or the housekeeping department and so on. So just an invitation for a little more mindfulness around laundry signing up. Okay. Enjoy your day of practice.